Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this great privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And so stand, Lord, in a place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Я Господа, и в полу 
лечиться тут же моя. Не вспомню накази Иисуса Христа, не пестую славу, побачу там я, там вечно буде радість моя. Yeah. 
And so before we continue to submerge into the depths of our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph for our study of the Word of God or our inheritance in Jesus Christ is Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And nothing will stand in the way of God fulfilling all that is written about His Son in the laws 
of Moses, prophets, and psalms, as well as for us, and for us as partakers of the body of Christ to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way or form of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And to fulfill this command, we need to utilize three, as we know, charging and fundamental verbs. These are to put off. These have been the component of our continual study. This is to put off, be renewed, and put on and to confirm the given promise elevated in status of a commandment we will read another place of scripture this place is written by the same author he in a little bit of a different format identifies a similar truth calling us to take off the old man with his deeds so we can put on the new man the new man is given the ability to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him Colossians 3 8 through 14 but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger wrath malice blasphemy filthy language out of your mouth do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Jew nor Greek circumcised nor uncircumcised barbarian Scythian slave nor free but Christ is all and in all therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved put on tender mercies kindness humility meekness long-suffering bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you so you also must do but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection Colossians 3 8 through 14 this renewance that it's talking about putting on the new person when we will be put, putting on this new person we will be transformed into the image of him who created us I again want to uh, look at this talk about this renewance imagine flowers that have bloomed and then wilt and a deep winter uh, comes and then the spring comes and again the flower appears this is not this kind of renewance it's talking about such flowers that will never wilt they will continually be renewed in their structure of light in their unusual quality and their fragrance this is what it means that we won't need to again die and resurrect, die and resurrect as this happens now because in the new heaven and new earth there will be flowers there will be a multitude of flowers but not a single flower will ever wilt it will continually be renewed and it will continually give off new fragrances a new bouquet of fragrance 
and a new uh, and new colors. God is never repeating himself. He creates eternally, and he doesn't repeat what he does. He has proven this. Thousands of years, snowflakes fall upon this earth, and not a single snowflake is the same. This is confirmed. We will take leaves of one tree, any tree, and we will take all of the trees that exist on earth. Not a single petal is the same as another, even of the same kind. They may have a similar configuration only. This is what it means when we will be renewed. This means that this beauty of humility, long-suffering, in which we will be dressed, the new person will have these qualities, and when we will put him on, this will be a Christ's fragrance that will continually spread and renew. It will not go away. Today it's wilting, wilting, and tomorrow again. No. While we have not put on this new person, pay attention. We sing the song. I walk away from you, then I come back to you. This will not happen with the new person when we put him on. This will be a continual uh, celebration and joy. There will not be change. The change will be that we will be renewed. We will have a new form of fragrance, a new uh, celebration, a new energy of life. <coughs> you will not not need to go to sleep there and wake up again to have enough energy. There will not be a, a limit of energy. What it's interesting, what will happen when we put on this new person that will be renewed in, in accordance to the image of him who created him. This is not talking about the change, change of our body, but dressing our body into the new person, continuing to be mortal, it will suddenly stop being as it is. It has not yet changed, but the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made it completely different casting out the law of sin and death. That's why we've noted that specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting words to put off the, new, uh, the old man, be renewed, and put on the new man will determine whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. Specifically, will the completion of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life? <clears throat> and I would like to proclaim that this not happen with any who hear these words. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the next question. What conditions are we to fulfill? So that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. And speaking about clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ, we've concluded that we need God's help, that is, we need God's mercy, His redeeming mercy, the means of receiving any kind of help from God, which we see as the inheritance of the mercies of God, is weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God, man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the earth.
Relevant to this one to this subject is one of the prayers of David that is written in the 143rd Psalm. The Psalm is very very clearly opens up for us conditions, the grounds upon which a person is called to prepare a legal foundation for God, so that God would inter- intervene with His mercy into our life, as well as the boundaries of those aspects that we, we rule over and that we carry responsibility for before God. Let us submerge again into the beauty of the Psalm and may it become something new for us, a new form of fragrance, new thoughts, new uh, angles that the Holy Spirit (coughs) would be able to open up within your heart. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications, in your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. And so for David, as well as for us, to hear the mercy of God, we, like David, need to present to God legal grounds or a particular right. And such evidence in this prayer, as we already know, were ten unique in their nature arguments, identifying the right to enter the presence of God founded upon the laws of God, which which is also the word of God that came out of his mouth. This word God has magnified above all his name, and this word he willingly submits to. Specifically, these ruling and mighty words of God converted into promises and commandments for man, David presented to God as the consistency of his heart, saying to God, Hear me in your faithfulness and your righteousness. Hear me because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me for in you do I trust. Hear me because I lift up my soul to you. Hear me because in you I take shelter. Hear me for you are are my God. Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness' sake. And hear me for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument that abided in David's heart. This was evidence that faithfulness and righteousness abided in David's heart. This served as legal grounds for God, giving God the ability to hear David and to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies. And stop to study the second argument. 
This is the presented by David evidence that in his heart the memories of the days of old were imprinted and all of the deeds that God had done in those old days, which he confessed that he meditated about and that he was comforted with. Based on the revelations of the Holy Spirit, we began to study the form of this evidence in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. This item is unique and is a continual memorial before God, identifying with itself continual prayer. The breastplate of judgment was created and served only one item. This was the Urim and the Thummim within the heart of a man, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, the revelations of the Holy Spirit, it was necessary to keep within your mind the works of God that he had done in the days of old, his Thummim, the teaching of Christ that came in the flesh that the Lord had done in the days of old. The breastplate of judgment as a a continual memorial before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer, providing God grounds to fulfill His will upon planet Earth. Therefore, prayer that does not satisfy the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. As only the format of continual prayer presented in the breastplate of, of the high priest gives us the right to come close to God and enter into the holy place as a king and a priest to God, to present intercession that pursues the interests of his will and not our own fleshly personal desires. Here's how Apostle Paul presents the nature of the breastplate of judgment symbolizing continual prayer in his books. Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. We note that continuing earnestly in prayer identifies a joyously burning lamp, identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out, Proverbs 13.9. Also put out is self-destruct, destroying or being plucked up. The order in which the breastplate of judgment was built identified the enjoined demands of spirit and truth, that the true worshippers of God whom God seeks need to be in accordance to and need to possess. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, 23, 24. If the building order of the breastplate of judgment was interfered in any way, the breastplate of judgment loses its nature and its purpose. The breastplate of judgment identifies the state of the heart of a worshiper of God. Not looking at the fact that David carried the ephod with him, upon which was the, breast, the breastplate of judgment with the twelve precious stones and the Urim and the Thummim was there as well, he would never have received a, a response through the Urim and the Thummim that was in the breastplate of judgment if he did not have this Urim and Thummim within his heart. He had the Holy Spirit in his heart and he had the law of truth in his heart. And these were just symbols of the Holy Spirit and the truth that were within the heart of David. Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done at all times and many do today, because of their stiff neck and to benefit their greed and hypocrisy. If you remember, 
Saul said, I thought that this would be better. He knew what God has said, but he thought that what he was thinking was better than the words of God. So he, they canceled out God's words, and in this way, Saul was rejected. And his kingdom was taken from him and killed himself in the time of battle. He was wounded. He knew he was dying. He took the sword and fell on his own sword and continued to die slowly, suffering. And one young man was passing him by in the war field, and he had asked him to help him. He took the sword that was through in his body and chopped off his head with it. That's how dishonorably uh, people die and will die who say, I have my own head, this is how I think. You don't need to think of your own. You need to seek what God wants, and when he tells you to do it, you need to do it. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Second Corinthians 2.17 We know in the Septuagint, our translation of the Hebrew Bible, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice. As by the means of the Urim and the Thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgments. The breastplate of judgment, as we know, identified the conscience of a man purified from dead works, upon the tablets of whom just as a sign it, in the twelve names of the patriarchs, the teaching of Christ that came in the flesh is imprinted. A conscience purified of dead works with imprinted faithfulness and righteousness upon on its tablets is called to give God the right to function in them and through them upon planet Earth. In a specific format, we have already looked at the measurements and nature of materials with which the breastplate of judgment was built that we are called to be in accordance to within our spirit and stop to study the next requirement that shows you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row, Sardius, Topaz, and Emerald. Second row, Turquoise, Sapphire, and Diamond. Third row, jacinth, agate, and amethyst, and fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. And the stones shall have, they shall be put into gold settings, and the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a signet, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes. <coughs> the name of God in the teaching of Christ and the doctrine of Christ needs to be imprinted. When it means imprinted, that's carved as on a signet. We've, noti we've noted that the 12 golden settings is the authority, rule, and order of the Word of God, contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that we as worshippers of God are called to present within our foundation of our continual prayer. The 12 precious stones with engraved upon them as a signet, 12, and 12 names of the sons of Israel, is a symbol and format of our continual prayer presenting the perfect judgments of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the Word of God that were adjusted in measurement and configuration to fit the precious stones, that is our prayers, but the precious stones themselves, our prayers, are the ones that were adjusted, our prayers 
or are our prayers are the ones that were just in configured to fit the golden settings of truth. Continual prayer in the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the 12 names is a persisting prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of the will of God. It does not sway away or step away from the goal until what is asked for is received. Building of the breastplate of judgment within our heart is revealed as building the kingdom of heaven in the image of the tree of life. Growing the tree of life within our heart is building yourself up into a new person, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth, into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. And so, building or growing, with this we note that all of the beauty and order of the temple was created for one holy item and served that one item. This was the golden ark of the covenant. The same thing with the ephod of the high priest, with the connected to it, breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. This item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This was the urim and the thummim. Because the golden ark of the covenant, as well as the breastplate of judgment, symbolized from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man cleansed from dead works. The Urim and Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection. Light is the Holy Spirit that gives the revelation and perfection is the truth, the doctrine of Christ, light, and light reveals this truth, this perfect truth. Light and the right, again, the Holy Spirit is the light and the thummim is the right, or a revelation of truth. The light gives revelation, uh, the light is shining upon the revelation of truth. The Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes Jesus, is the truth. And this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the thummim. The revelation that a person could receive at the lid of the Ark, or the mercy seat of the covenant, is the urim in the breastplate of judgment. Only a person who has a conscience cleansed from dead works, or who has a wise heart upon the tablets of whom the truth in the form of the thummim is imprinted, can be a worshiper of God. The revelation of God by the means of his Urim can function in the revelation again of the Holy Spirit can function only within the boundaries of truth. This truth within the heart of a person is the Thummim, the teaching of Christ that came in the flesh. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. God will not be putting into the heart of a foolish person his wisdom. A foolish heart is the heart that does not want to learn the word of God, does not want to submerge into it, refuses to do so. They want it to be easy, I'm saved, and that's enough. I don't need to sin, and that's enough. I sometimes ask people, what does it mean not to sin? Well, don't commit fornicating acts, do not uh, lie, don't, don't smoke or do other things. It's one thing when people drink and smoke and so forth. There's one other thing that's a sin. Who knows good and does not, who's able to do good and doesn't do it is sin. But to do, to know what good is or to, what, what true good work is, they think that true good work is when he gives money to the, to the poor in the street or when he helps somebody else, he thinks this is good work. But in scripture, good work are the signs of character. Now show within your faith uh, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness and god godliness, brotherly kindness and love. 
love. If you pay attention here, it's uh, uh, good, good works are shown in a very different way. We note that the friendship of the Thummim and the Urim in the heart of a person the unification are the unification of two formats of wisdom which state that the carriers of the Thummim and the Urim are true worshippers of God and possess, again, the immune system of the Holy Spirit, which is the most fascinating because they are not able to again defend themselves the Holy Spirit is not able to defend himself if he if the father does not defend him and this is very dangerous to criticize and to speak evil and uh, lie lies and uh, other things against such people because immediately this person will touch the apple of God's eye is written do not avenge yourselves my my children but give place uh, to the wrath of God Levi is the destiny of a person a person who has been able to bind himself to the Holy Spirit to be led by the Holy Spirit and of Levi he said let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers, or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altars. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise up against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11 In a specific format, we have already looked at five qualities of a warrior in prayer and the first five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God was able to continuously reveal his will upon planet Earth and stop to study the sixth quality and the precious diamond stone. We know now that the sixth name carved upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment upon the tablets of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler, or one who is able to prevail in prayer. Genesis 37, 8, And Rachel's maid Bela conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali, one who prevails in prayer. The name of God presented in the precious diamond stone, according to the Jewish rabbinate in Hebrew is El Hai, which when translated means God is alive or God is living. Therefore, according to the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle as a format of continual prayer is our right and our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath the earth will tremble and the nation shall not be able to endure his indignation. The name of the living God is a format of an oath and the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely were utterly destroyed. This is written in Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people, to swear by my name, as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. 
Therefore, to not be plucked up and destroyed by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God to swear by the name of God El Hai or by the living God. These ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God. The condition that gives us the right to learn the ways or paths of God's commandments and statutes to swear by the name of the living God is the thirst to know them. Psalm 119.32-35 I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, or when my heart begins to bear fruit, that's when I shall run the course of your commandments. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. And so we know that in Hebrew, the name of the living God or God is alive is abiding, one who is with unconditional authority, one who defines a genesis, creates a genesis, holds a genesis, keeps a genesis, rules over a genesis, and commander and lord of the genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 and 21, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to, to him you shall hold fast, and take oath in his name. He is your praise, and He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. The power of a warrior in prayer contained within the virtue of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over the Genesis in the allotted by Him for us time and boundaries. Therefore, it is necessary for us to look at, the de look at and determine what goal God has in His intentions when He urges and calls His children to become warriors in prayer. Also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God. For the definitions provided in Scripture to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all days. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles as dirt on the streets. This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which man becomes a king and a priest to God. God and is seen by God as a brilliant diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. Not being a king and a priest to God, in the virtue of which a person receives the unique ability and right to reign with his informational organ over his emotional organ, it is impossible to be and remain a warrior in prayer. The informational organ is called to reign over the emotional aspect of the soul. This is the renewed mind of man, renewed by the mind of Christ. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis. By its nature, the genesis of prayer as well as the genesis of God does not have a beginning and does not have an end. Prayer is the language of God identifying the essence of God, the word of God, and the genesis of God. Prayer has always been the mystery of God. It has always existed in His presence and has, as His golden scepter of favor, which He stretched forth to the one that would seek His face in performing His will. If, however, anyone dared come to Him upon His own personal conditions, not being called by Him into His presence, then His golden scepter of favor will not be stretched out to the one asking. This will result in the prayer of this person being unheard 
by God. As written in John 9.31, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. The right to come close to and stand before God in prayer is the exclusive prerogative of God. No one will be able to or will dare by themselves to come close to or approach God, the God that desires to abide in darkness or in mystery or in the unapproachable light. Jeremiah 30, 21-22 It's talking about who can come close to God. Their noble shall be from among them, and their governor shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people, and I will be your God. <clears throat> Only after this governor shall arise from the midst of, of the line of Abraham, only then you shall be my people and I will be your God. Being in God's presence is the task of one governor that will come from the nation seed of Abraham. This is the only begotten Son of God in the status of the Son of Man, in whom and by whom anyone born from God and seeking God would be able to approach and enter God's presence. According to the revelations written in Scripture, our prayer and the quality of a warrior in prayer, identified by the virtue of the brilliant stone, needs to be, and not just the virtue of the brilliant stone, but these ten virtues that we're, that we're studying, they are included in every precious stone on the breastplate of judgment. We are just studying the stone, but actually we are studying prayer all of these virtues that are contained in every precious stone. <clears throat> Our prayer needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of our heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. In the previous services, we've noted that a merry heart, as we've been studying, Joy, a merry heart, is identified as the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer as well as the quality of his, this warrior's prayers themselves. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones, Proverbs 17.22. Therefore, one of the signs by which we need to determine the presence of joy that comes from above will be a merry heart that will serve as a medicinal substance, healing and restoring and repairing his faith and his trust in God. When it says like a medicine, that means it will uh, medicate our faith, not the sickness that we may have, but faith, and then our faith will heal, heal our sicknesses. A merry heart does good like medicine. It needs to heal our faith because many in many holy people, their faith <coughs> is sick, it's weak. It can't receive anything from the Lord or express anything. A broken spirit is a symbol of a hard heart that is directed by the pride of his unrenewed mind, where there is an absence of an atmosphere of upright joy, one depriving God of grounds or a foundation to give, to do good and to heal this person. And to determine the essence of unearthly joy as well as the conditions that we are needing to fulfill so that we can grow and begin to reveal, express it, its presence in our prayers, we've, we've uh, introduced four apps, uh, aspects. Defining the essence and purpose of the fruit of joy in prayer, the price of obtaining and expressing the fruit of joy, keeping and developing the fruit of joy, the fruits and rewards of expressing upright joy in prayer. Looking at the first question, what qualities does the supernatural joy have and what purpose is covered in the spring? 
spring from which the unearthly joy flows, we conclude that in Scripture, the quality or character that is included in the word joy as well as, well as the previous qualities is prescribed in prayer as a commandment, as a decree and an order, and as an urgent military command that is to be fulfilled without deviations. If this order is not fulfilled, the verdict is death and a final split and break from God. Apostle Jude, concluding his short book to the Church of Christ, gave the quality of joy its own special rank as an integral part of our salvation in Christ Jesus. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jude one twenty four. So upright joy, exceeding joy is when we will uh, appear and greet the Lord in the air or on the clouds. Looking at the above-mentioned place of Scripture, we can conclude that for God, fault or blemish in joy is an absence of a foundation keeping us from stumbling into perdition to present us before His glory. The glory of God abides exclusively in the atmosphere of upright or supernatural joy and is an expression of this upright joy. Blemishes or faults in joy is a stained flaw revealing impurity, abomination, and deceit. A person who has not gotten rid of such blemishes in joy, as well as his other characteristics, will not be allowed in heaven. As it is written, but there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written into the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelations 21:27. The great Jerusalem is in heaven and on earth at the same time, simultaneously. Part of the people are already there that present the great Jerusalem, but to enter into it is possible only here on earth. Determining the wellspring of unearthly or upright joy and the existing in this joy natural qualities, we conclude that upright joy in prayer can come only from an upright heart of a man, in its state as well as the expressions of its state within words and actions. If within our heart we will abide within the atmosphere of upright joy, then our prayer will express the quality of this joy. We need to differentiate earthly or regular joy from joy that is supernatural, that has its distinctive roots in God, its distinctive wellspring in God, and its distinctive genesis in God. By themselves, the two natures of joy are two programs that come from different nature springs, God and the fallen cherubim. The heart of a man is a programmable system and that nature of joy to which man gives his consideration or his preference dresses him and rules in his essence. And if we consider or prefer earthly joy, then it from one side will be the means we measure our relationship with God and from the other side will suppress and oppress the unearthly joy. If we will consider the joy that comes from above, then it also will be the means by which we measure our relationship with God. Due to its supernaturalism, unearthly upright joy is not able to be experienced or felt upon the level of your physical abilities. And unlike worldly joy, it isn't a kind of emotion or a kind of feeling that lifts your mood. Supernatural joy is a kind of discipline of the mind and heart, which creates peace in the heart of a man as well as balances, controls, and leads our feelings. 
And when these feelings will be restrained, <clears throat> our physical feelings will be able to experience this joy when they're restrained. But while they're not restrained, they will be confronting the unearthly joy as undisciplined uh, stallion. He's very uh, nerved when uh, someone sits on his back. He tries to cast that person off of his back and does not feel peace. But a disciplined horse, one who is restrained, he loves his uh, owner and is ready to die for him. And the smallest move of a owner, he immediately follows and obeys. So to sense in your emotions supernatural joy is possible, but as we can see upon the condition when it is disciplined and restrained, when we will truly be princes. <coughs> Uh, as a prince is not just one who possesses a horse, but has discipline and controls the horse. To control, direct the horse is to direct, control the fire of your emotions. And so, therefore, upright joy... And, and when these feelings we will be restrained with the discipline of the renewed mind and will of man... This, this his feelings will be able to experience the good and, and medicine of his joyful heart. Upright joy as a component of prayer is the confession of the faith of the heart that in power, or, in power is equal to the power of the words that come out of the, God, uh, the mouth of God. They come from our entrails and are directed towards eternal life. According to the revelations of Scripture, overwhelming joy that is included in the consistency of continual prayer is one of the unearthly qualities and names of God himself and of course the children that are born from him. The quality of joy may be received by these children in no other way but only the seed of the word of grace in the Holy Spirit and only after be grown and enabled by the means of the discipline of the will, mind and heart directed to continually abide in the word of God and in the Holy Spirit. Therefore supernatural joy in its genesis as well as its expression is stable, continual, unchanging and absolutely does not spend, uh, depend from worldly circumstances or obtaining materialistic goods that identifying unearthly joy, the scriptures say that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment, Job 25. Proverbs 14, 13, even in laughter the heart may sorrow and the end of mirth may be grief. And so even in laughter of unearthly joy, the, the unearthly laughter, then your joy will, your heart will be glad. Regarding men with unclean hearts and hands that filled the church back then as well as today, Apostle Paul states, lament and mourn and weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom, James 4.9. This means that for giving preference to worldly joy over joy that comes from above, God will bring man to judgment. So why does their heart begin to hurt? <coughs> or sorrow because in the churches they they begin to force people to put on masks but inside he's in sorrow his his face reflects what is in his heart and so when in my heart this joy will grow into a tree of life then my heart will shine as well right now i'm just listening and I sorrow because I still have, don't have this and, I, and I, uh, I strive to have it. But this joy is already in the heart and sometimes it already begins to show. And so 
for again preferring worldly joy that they chose over supernatural joy God will bring man to judgment. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you to judgment. Ecclesiastes 11.9 A person rejoices when he walks in his own ways and when he is freed as well from the slave uh, uh, servitude of righteousness or become a, be, being a servant to righteousness and becomes a servant to sin. People who leave the church where righteousness is preached, uh, they, they say, oh, we feel such freedom, not even understanding that they're testifying that they experience freedom from righteousness and have become servants to sin and that they are rejoicing in being servants of sin we're free in Christ they say but in Christ you need to be a servant of righteousness there's not a neutral freedom we were not born neutral we were born with a choice we have only the right to choice freedom to choose either to be a servant of righteousness or a servant of sin choose and people choose sometimes to be servants of sin wherever I want to go I go that's where I rejoice that's how I understand that's what I want I want to serve the Lord like this as Saul said I, th I thought it would be better why will I destroy these things the best we will give to God and why did you keep the king the evil king that God said to destroy. He had actually made peace with that king as well, the one that he needed to destroy, that ruled in his nature, the old nature. Instead of killing this nature, committing it to death, he saved it, he preserved it. God said, go in your way and kill these Amalekites. Turning our attention to the unique wisdom of Scripture and defining unearthly joy, we've decided to look at the virtue of a bright joy only within the heart of a man, born from the imperishable seed of the word of truth, abiding within Christ. And since the first spring of upright joy is God himself, specifically it is God who is the example and criteria, identifying the quality and nature of upright joy. God needs to be this overwhelming joy, the, the example of it. Therefore, the supernatural joy is not only the quality of God and the atmosphere in which God abides, it is also one of his glorious names with which he triumphs over his enemies. Psalm 43, 4, 5. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Trust upon God, for I shall praise him further, my Savior and my God. You see, the emotions are cast down and then David, tur David turns to those emotions. In the previous service, we in a particular format have already looked at eight qualities identifying the supernatural joy and will immediately turn to the ninth quality. Before I begin to talk about the ninth, some people have fear. I will not remember everything. You don't need to remember everything. You need to listen attentively, and when you listen attentively, it goes into eternity, into your spirit. There is no boundaries there. There's no. There. It's not for your memory. It's going into your subconscious. It's going into your spirit, and time will come. It'll come out of there. If you hear it, you accept it. Why are there so many of these signs? I recently was communicating 
communicating uh, with my family, my children, and my wife. I was asking, what do you, th what do you think a partial truth is? It is not a lie. It's a part of the truth. It's not a lie. It's a part of a truth. If you take this part of the truth and, and, and then you take another partial truth, what do you think will happen? A, a complete deception. People who know only part of the truth, they need, they, they want one. They say, why are you giving us so many? Five, uh, five, six, seven, and eight. We can't remember everything. But then you only know part of the truth, just a partial truth. And a partial truth doesn't lead you to heaven. You will be in deception. You won't know the other sides. So we need to know as much as we can. It's not me, but Scripture shows these signs and qualities that there are many of them we take 8, 10, 12 however uh, the Holy Spirit lies upon my heart there are a lot more of them the ninth sign pertaining to supernatural joy within our heart is the coming into our essence favor of God identified as an unearthly morning this happens after an unearthly night identifying the state of the wrath of the Lord the unearthly morning symbolizes the resurrection of Christ the essence of our new person Psalm 34 through 5 also dressing yourself into this new person sing praise to the Lord you saints of his and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name remembrance as we know is a continual rem memorial remembrance this is prayer that has the component or the quality of the twelve doctrines for his anger is but for a moment his favor is for life weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning when we speak of the morning entering the human heart, we see that in Scripture quite often it is referring to the resurrection of Christ. With this we can conclude that the promise identified as the favor of God contained in the coming into our heart morning of joy will stretch or spread over the span of our entire life. Joy, this joy will sp spread or stretch over our entire life. Therefore, in this glorious and prophetic promise, the morning of joy coming into our heart, we see the symbol of our dressing into the new person created in accordance to God by Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. The condition for the coming into our heart joy of mourning, which is also the coming into our heart resurrection of Christ, is the confession of faith that is contained within our heart as a remembrance the holy word of the Lord or the holiness of the Lord. In scripture the memory of the holy things of the Lord within our heart are the works of God done in the days of old or in the previous generations. Therefore when we begin to sing the faith of our heart consisting of the works of God done, done by him in the days of old we provide God grounds for beginning bringing into our heart the morning of his joy so that afterwards he can dress us into his joyful morning which is the resurrection of Christ also known as our new person we need to first plant into our heart grow grow it in our heart and then it will be able to dress us what is the wrath of God it is temporary, it's just for a moment. Our nation, our house, and our desires are under wrath. This is the, the, the evening. This is the temporary thing. The wrath of God is upon the holy ones until they die for their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires. <coughs> 
And that's why they mourn, because the wrath is upon them. But when they die for their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires, then the mourning comes. A person rises as Moses, who, uh, who was drawn from the water. Psalm 111, 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The work of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the work the power of his works in giving them the inheritance the heritage of the nations the works of his of his hands are verity and justice and his percepts are sure they stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness he has sent redemption to his people he has commanded his covenant forever holy and awesome is his name the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom a good understanding have all those who do his commandments his praise endures forever psalm 110 111 1 through 10 Summing up the subject, we conclude that when we praise God with our whole heart amongst the assembly of the upright and congregation of the holy, with, that is with people that have the right form of life and right form of thinking, we reveal before Him our upright joy. In revealing this upright joy, we provide God grounds for giving, for, for giving us food, also known as His deeds, so He can give us the heritage of the Gentiles. The Gentiles are nations that do not have the circumcision upon their flesh, which symbolize a covenant between God and man that lived and populated the promised land before Abraham got there. Because of this, they used the blessings of the promised land that belonged to Abraham and his seed temporarily and unlawfully. Therefore, in the given place of Scripture, the heritage of the Gentiles is the redemption of God in the format of the imperishable inheritance given to man in the format of a guarantee, which flesh and blood as a corruptible thing, which these are these Gentiles in the promised land, are unable to inherit. Flesh and blood, as a corruptible thing, is unable to inherit, as the heritage belongs to the incorruptible spirit. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, the second man is the Lord from heaven, and was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the, of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15, 45-50. Who are these Gentiles? The flesh takes the, inherit the heritage uh, that belongs to our spirit before our spirit matures, before it matures, or Isaac matures. Ishmael is already born. The old self or nature itself is born and he has grown and he also has a covenant upon his body, but God does not accept this covenant. He calls it a Gentile. Why? Because per uh, perishable does not inherit imperishable. Blood and flesh does not uh, inherit as a corruptible thing. 
And so before blood and flesh will transform or change, when the Holy Spirit, in the power of the resurrection of Christ within our heart, by the preached word, will do this or perform this joy or do the, produce this joy, the new person is joy and gladness when in our heart uh, we begin to sing this truth, then it'll, we'll be dressed into this glorious resurrection. This is not just in the Gospels. All the Psalms are pretty much saturated with that. The tenth sign pertaining to joy that comes from above, that is received by God's chosen flock upon His conditions, is the love amongst the holy people, combined with them being in one accord and of one mind. Philippians 2, 1 through 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being, in a, being of one accord, of one mind. Philippians 2, 1 through 2. <clears throat> Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Looking at this, we need to consider the fact that it's not talking about worldly love, but about the love of God agape, which reveals itself in like-mindedness and when you're in one accord. From this, we can understand that if we have an absence of love agape revealed in like-mindedness and being in one accord, then this means that there is a blemish in our joy. Almost all churches are broken into conclaves, specific ones, one kind, another kind, or just groups that they create. And each church has elite groups and uh, uh, more uh, min minier groups or who look with jealousy upon the uh, other groups that are considered greater or higher and want to talk to them. They say, hello, peace be to you, but they will never invite those to their house. And they never will come to their house. They consider uh, them to be lower and they're not interesting to them. But God's love agape, it is different. It strives or it is focused upon those who want and are unable and invites uh, them to themselves. They break these uh, familial uh, bonds or ties and these conclaves and they'll be broken with this agape love. And on only then will there be one mind and one accord. And a similar love does not come into our heart in the form of ready or mature fruit, but is given to us in the format of a seed of the preached word from which we need to grow the fruit of love agape as it is written. But of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5.22-23 Looking at the matter at hand, being like-minded and of one accord as an expression of the love of God is obtained by the means of the discipline of the renewed mind and dedicated to God will. The wellspring of like-mindedness and being of one accord is one in whom we see God, the delegated by him person. 
This is not when brothers have decided, but when God gives revelation to this person and he speaks and says, thus says the Lord, and all gladly accept and don't say, well, I don't agree with this, let us vote. That's when there will be one mind and one accord because all will be uh, taking from one head and not multiple heads. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.1 We know that prophecy is comfort and edification for the people, not scaring them and not revealing their sins to them, but comforting them and edifying them. Pursuing love in the original in Hebrew means to grow the fruit of love, be rooted into the love of God, establish yourself, strengthen yourself, seek, go after, chase, hunt, strive for, achieve, spend your time, energy, and means. The reason to rightful desire, rightfully desire spiritual gifts needs to be the love agape for the chosen by God flock. Why do I want to have these spiritual gifts? Because I love the chosen by God flock. Therefore, if the desire of spiritual gifts is not an expression of the love agape directed towards one another, then spiritual gifts will turn into our idols. People want to have spiritual gifts so that they can show their spirituality. Spiritual gifts are not do not give you spiritual spirituality. They the fruit is the one that gives you spirituality. Gifts are gifts. This is the power of God. And a person needs to strive to have them to serve each other and not to show that you're more spiritual, uh, more special, and that they should depend on you and that you do something. The condition and grounds for rooting and growing the seed of love, agape, in your heart is dying for your nation, for your house, and for your destructive desires because to love is to willingly depend on the object of love. Therefore, to at the same time willingly love the nation of God and your own nation is impossible, because they are enemies one to the other. I know holy people that I personally communic have communicated with that are willing to take a gun into their hands to go fight in, in, in Ukraine and ready to kill Christian and not Christian even that did not defend the Benderovs at the time when we need to stand under the flag of the love agape, love the Christian, the one Christians from the one and the other side, and not stand on the sides of these uh, other people. Summing up the subject we're studying, we conclude that specifically the unearthly love of God revealed in like-mindedness and the Holy Ones being in one accord is one of the components identifying upright joy, carrying in itself the comfort of Christ. In this way, being in one accord and being like-minded also identifies as upright identified as upright joy is the order of the kingdom of heaven revealed in the order of theocracy that confronts all profane and adverse 
reverse hostile democratic works in the body of Christ. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for, for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and, bl and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3.13-18 Peter turned them to the, to the sermons of Paul because the unstable due to their own destruction pervert the truth but you don't pervert them and I warn you of this 11th sign pertaining to joy that comes from above that is received by man upon God's conditions are the saved by God people we carry responsibility for before God 1 Thessalonians 2 19 through 20 for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as his coming for you are our glory and joy. Philippians 4.1 Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. We need to keep in mind that, firstly, we ourselves are the ones included in the number of the saved that we carry responsibility for before God. But Christ has son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, Hebrews 3, 6. Rejoicing in confidence and hope is to reveal the faith of your heart, where we express upright joy and are dressed and garmented into it. Therefore, expressing upright joy is to confess with your mouth the faith of your heart, making us partakers of Christ. At the same time, hardening the heart, revealed in displeasure and rebelliousness, is revealing unbelief, depriving man of the right to receive peace in God and prompts the indignation of God. Hebrews 3.14-19 For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. End. Well, it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? To whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief is disobedience. Hebrews 3, 14 through 19. Revealing the, the sign of upright joy is with zeal serve the holy ones from the name of God like for God, like for God and in the name of God. Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and, to, and do minister. 
And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who are through faith and patience inherit the promise. To keep uprightness of joy is to honor and keep the work of God, serving the holy ones to the end. And he who overcomes, I will keep and keeps my work until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. As also have I have also received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelations 2, 26-29. Therefore, for the chosen by God flock as a whole, as well as each individual person that has a membership to the chosen by God flock, to receive power over the Gentiles, to rule them with a rod of iron, means die for your nation die for your house and your destructive desires to receive power to rule your nation your house and your mind and thoughts twelfth sign pertaining to joy that comes from above that is received by man upon God's conditions is the glory of the Lord that is revealed in fire that comes from the Lord upon the burnt offering then Leviticus 9.22-24 then Aaron lifted his hand towards the people blessing them and came down from offering the sin offering the burnt offering and the peace offering and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat of the altar when all the people saw it they shouted and fell on their faces the offering of the offering for sin the burnt offering and the peace offering signify continual prayer where we present our body as a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your reasonable service before the face of God, as it is written. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Also, do not be conformed with this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1-2. Therefore, the reason for the glory of the Lord shown in the fire that came out of the came out from the Lord receiving our offering of continual prayer is the blessing of God which with which Moses and Aaron blessed the nation because the glory of the Lord was revealed to the nation of God with the blessing that Moses and Aaron blessed the nation of God the symbol of the tabernacle of meeting is the heart of the righteous person built into the breastplate of judgment. Moses and Aaron present in the breastplate of judgment the friendship of the two formats of wisdom, Thummim and Urim, within the heart of a man. Moses is the Thummim for the nation. They didn't understand it. And so that's why he said, God will be... You will explain to Aaron, he said, you will explain to the people what Moses will tell you. You will explain to them what he says. The appearance of the glory of God in the fire devouring the offering prompts or inspires unearthly joy in man, which provides God grounds or a foundation to rise and scatter his enemies, so that those who hate God would flee from his face, just as smoke drives away and as, and as wax melts before the fire. When a person begins to 
uh, sing with praise. It allows God to scatter our enemies. Psalm 68, 2 through 5. Let God arise, let him let his enemies be scattered. Let those who also hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name Yahweh and rejoice before him. Amen. Let us now bend our knees, however, who is comfortable with their heads, and we shall pray to God and thank Him that He continues to reveal to us the wellspring of His joy and the wholeness of His revelations. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we again and again worship for You upon this holy place that Your hand has ordained for the worshiping of Your holy name. You have cleansed Your place and have prepared it so that we would be able to worship You in spirit and in truth and to call upon You so that we can receive Your revelations in that primary or first form in which they were presented. May your sons and daughters be blessed before you that have opened up their hearts and have prepared them for your revelations. May these revelations find home within our hearts so that our hearts would be able to praise and extol you and thank you for being our comfort and our gladness and our peace that you have made us one and that you have broken the barriers between the nation of Israel and the Gentile nation and have made one nation and we thank you for this that within our heart we have a specific fear and love and respect and respect to the nation of, of the nation of Israel that you have made doors for us through whom we have received your promises. They kept your promises, although they broke them, but they carried this word and in their history and in their falling and their rising, they are for us a great example so that we would not do the things that they did, so that we would not rebel as they rebelled in their time, and that we would not harden our hearts, so that we would accept your words with reverence and fear, worshiping before you and rejoicing, that in our time, you, your time, you will fulfill your word, because you yourself desire to fulfill it. You burn with a great desire, and you yearn to dress your church your chosen remainder into the resurrection of your son Jesus Christ to show all who live and all the religious world how much you love your people so that you could separate them and show the difference between those who serve you and those who don't serve you. May your mercy and your multitude be upon your nation that has opened up their heart, your redeemed ones, so that they can hear your words. You prepared them, and we worship before you. We rejoice before you as one who has received a great gain. We rejoice that you continue to reveal your beauty, your greatness, and your revelation in your nation. We worship together with your people before your great words and your revelations, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.